This is going, so we'll see if we can make this all work. All right. Last week, we talked about changing our minds. I don't know if you remember the, the word repent means change your mind. And the word repent is a powerful word. If you don't realize how powerful it is, couples, just Consider the possibility of trying this in the middle of a heated discussion, otherwise known as an argument. Why don't one of you just try to throw it out there? Repent! See how that goes for you. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't try that. It's just, just a thought. But today, we're moving along in this series, No Bad Days, Attitude is a Choice. And we're going to be talking about refining my listening what I'd like to do is tell you a funny little story. A couple was um, just having a normal evening after Christmas, after New Year's. And one says to the other, and the other is actually in the living room watching television. One says to the other, hey, I'm going to get some ice cream. Would you like some ice cream? As the freezer is open, no answer. Close the freezer. Gets a little closer, halfway to the other. Hey, I'm going to get some ice cream. Would you like some ice cream? Nothing. No response. So finally, right in the ear, Hey, I'm going to get some ice cream. Do you want some ice cream? And the one that's being yelled at turns around and says, For the third time, no thank you. <laughs> Sometimes we think it's other people who aren't listening when it's actually us. Consider that today as you're tempted to elbow the person sitting next to you or to say, hey, I want to get a copy of that because I know somebody who needs to hear it. You know, I need to hear it. And you might as well. But now it's time for Pastor Jeff's Trivia. Question number one. What is the Old Testament book of wisdom? Answer. There you go, Proverbs. Now, question number two. What is the New Testament book of wisdom? You don't have to answer because everybody's got different opinions. But I'll tell you the answer is James. If you thought that, good for you. Now, I will have a trick one that's coming up. I'm just getting you ready. But let's look at James quickly. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time there, but there's some good stuff in the New Testament book of wisdom, in my opinion. So James chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Really? You really going to say that now, in the middle of all this stuff we're going through? Well, I'm just reading it. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And I hope, if the Lord wills, we get to have a message on this someday because steadfastness is one of my favorite Old and New Testament words. But I hope you have that kind of tenacity in your faith. Verse 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, 
and it will be given him. But I need to give you a caveat. It's not here. I'm going to give it to you because it's in the Bible. I don't know if you, you already answered. You know the Old Testament book of wisdom written by Solomon, the wisest man that would ever walk the planet aside from God in the flesh was Solomon. He asked for wisdom. Remember, he was granted wisdom. But you might not know this, but asking for wisdom is a whole lot like asking for patience. If you dare ask God for patience, he will give you things that you have to go through to learn patience. Wisdom is very similar. Ask God for wisdom, and he doesn't just slip it in your back pocket, boom, I already have wisdom now, I don't have to do anything. No, it doesn't work like that. God gives you wisdom by having you go through things in life and learn. And it, you don't have to look far beyond Proverbs and see a man in Ecclesiastes who led such a depressing lifestyle. He chased after happiness and contentment. God let him look for it in all the corners of the earth. I mean, he was able to party and live it up and have whatever he wanted. And he learned wisdom. You know, everything that's on the surface not worth chasing after you got to look above but if you ask for wisdom you need to have that little caveat you need to understand it comes with a price if, if you ever know somebody that you think well that person's wise when you get to know their story you'll learn they've been through a lot that's how they got where they are that's how they have learned wisdom the next verse verse 6 of james 1 but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. In James 1.19 and following, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, I have a whole lot of books. Uh, last, I tried to estimate, is somewhere around 4,000 books. In those books, is a large chunk of them has to do with psychology and counseling. And I would have to say to you, out of all the books that I've read about psychology and counseling, there is a one-liner that I found to be most helpful out of anything I've read anywhere, and I just read it. Let's isolate, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. When it comes to interpersonal relationships, this is extremely good advice. And I'm going to give it to you quickly in some other words. And these other words, I'm not trying to paraphrase, I'm just trying to illuminate Scripture for you. So first, the be quick to hear part. Be eager to understand. People don't always say what they mean. Sometimes people don't say anything, but they mean something. Have you ever had the silent treatment? <laughs> Sometimes people say the words they say are the exact opposite of what they mean. Are you okay? I'm fine! 
They didn't mean fine. You can tell by the tone of the voice. So you want to be eager to try to comprehend what the other person is trying to communicate or is communicating. That's important. That's, that's the first part. The second part, slow to speak, carefully calculate the consequences of your words. That's also important. Because once you say them, they can't be unsaid. And once they are heard, it's very hard for the other person to not think about what you said. Maybe someday we'll get to spend some significant time on communicating with one another better, but those two things are very important. You've got to try to understand what the other person is communicating or trying to communicate. You've got to say, you've got to carefully calculate the consequences of your words, and that includes say what you mean. Sometimes you get in the middle of a, a heated discussion, and the conversation ends with, well, we're saying the same thing. Well, then that means somebody wasn't listening to somebody, because if you're saying the same thing and you're arguing for a while, you just wasted a bunch of time. Sometimes you get in a discussion, and it goes like this. Somebody doesn't say what they mean, which is a mistake. If you do that, you made a mistake. But here's the way it plays out sometimes in real life. Okay. All right, I didn't mean that. What I meant was, and then what usually follows is, but what you said was, here's where, we're, that's another mistake. So the mis first mistake is saying what you didn't mean. The second mistake is after you've clarified, someone's clarified and says, well, what I meant was this. The person that goes back and says, well, what you said was, why are, why are we arguing about what the other person didn't mean? Is there a point to that? I mean, we've already clarified they made a mistake. They've clarified terms now. Now we know what they mean. We really want to argue about what they said they didn't mean? Is that a good use of time? Is that a good use of communication? No. So you want to be eager to understand what the other person is trying to say or what they're saying. And you want to carefully calculate the consequences of your words. Some of us are very good with our words. Some of us in a heated discussion, we figure out a way to make the most biting comment, the most digging, the most hurtful. Better calculate those words. Because once they're said, you can't unsay them. And then the last part, slow to anger. I'm going to word it this way. Control your emotions. Use that fruit of the Spirit called self-control. And I don't want in any way diminish the idea of slow to anger by saying control your emotions. Anger is, if you have an anger problem, then you have a big problem. If you cannot control your anger, that means it's landing on somebody else unfairly. And that means you, the way you are perceived is a person that is out of control, which is the antithesis to having self-control. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Get some control. Don't be out of control with your anger. Anger can be a good thing, but be slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Very good counsel out of the Book of Wisdom. And fast forward a little bit here. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Wow, the pastor brought out James 1.19, and I, I, 
I really need to work on watching what I say, how I say it. I need to work on listening better. I need to work on my temper. Yes, you do, if, that, if that's the way you're feeling. So do it. Don't just go to church and learn something and not put it into practice. That's why James follows up with this. It's a very wise thing to say. And now, it's time for... Question, in the parable, build your house on the rock, don't answer out loud, this is a trick, okay? The, if you were to answer the question, in, in this, the question is, in the parable, build your house on a rock, what is the rock? Don't answer. Okay, thank you. You did well. Most people would answer... Jesus. And that would be wrong. Now, some of you just got a little confused, and some of you are like, okay, wait a minute. I've always thought it was, a, it was the, build your house on the rock. As just build your house on Jesus. That's what that means. Stay with me. I want to show you. I, I, don't, I don't really have the answer, but God's Word does. So if you'll look with me, and I'm going to let you have an option. What would you prefer? You want to look in Matthew or Luke? Anybody? Pick, pick one. Matthew, okay, we'll go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, and we'll look at verse 24. Everyone, and following, by the way, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and great and, and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Did you catch that? I'm not sure if you did. Let's go ahead and look at the trivia. Question number three, the answer is doing what Jesus says. That's build your house on the foundation. The wise man is, who builds his house on the rock is the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. The foolish one is the one who doesn't put these words into practice. If we want to weather the storms of this life, we must, have, we must move beyond simply listening to God's wisdom and into actually doing what he says. This will matter to some of you. Vince Lombardi said, It is time for us all to stand and cheer for the doer, the achiever, the one who recognizes the challenges and does something about it. And we're back to James chapter 1, verse 22 in the NIV translation. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And there's a story that would do us all well now to pay attention to. And it, it involves Elijah. You remember Elijah? In 1 Kings chapter, chapters 18 and 19, I want to kind of take a, a look at this. If you'll turn there, because I'm not going to have the scripture up behind me. I'm going to take you through that just a little bit. So what's happened is 
Elijah has now been labeled a troublemaker by Ahab. You know who Ahab is, don't you? He's the husband of Jezebel. If any of you have family members or are expecting a, a daughter anytime soon, don't name her Jezebel. That would be very bad. Jezebel was a wicked person who funded 850 preachers who were false prophets. And her husband has identified Elijah as a troublemaker. And Elijah confronts him, and he says, you know what, why, why don't we just settle this once and for all, okay? You, you and your wife, you're funding, you know, 850 false preachers. Uh, why don't we just meet up on Mount Carmel, and uh, we'll just settle this. What do you say? So they meet on Mount Carmel. And when they meet there, Elijah, he, he says to the people, he's, he says, basically, you need to choose for, your choose for yourselves today. Make up your mind. Follow these false gods or follow the one true God. And they are eerily silent. They ignore him like he doesn't matter. I mean, after all, it's one preacher and there's 850 others, plus the crowds that follow all these preachers. Elijah is very alone, so everybody pretty much ignores him. He says, okay, fine. He says, you know what? We're going to have two bulls. You have more than I do, so you build an altar. You cut up the bull, uh, prepare a fire, to, you know, a firewood and stuff underneath the, um, the bull, and, but don't light it. You call on your gods, I'll call on mine. And so that's the way it's playing out in front of everybody. And as these people are dancing around, these false prophets, and the crowds are watching... Nothing is happening, according to Scripture, no one's paying attention because these are false gods they're praying to. And then Elijah begins to, he begins to taunt them. You can just imagine, and some of you, you like the old school, old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone. If I had a podium here, you'd like me to beat on it. Elijah was that kind of preacher. I mean, he, he said it like it was, and he's taunting. He's slapping his knee, and he's pointing at him. And the crowds are beginning to listen to Elijah because he's kind of funny. And I'm going to show you how he's kind of funny. So if you're in 1 Kings chapter 18 right now, if you'll look at, we'll start at about verse 30. <clears throat> Actually, let's back up. We're going to start... At about noon, verse 27. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. In other words, he's questioning. Surely, you need, he's deaf. You need, to, you need to yell louder. Your god's deaf. That's what he's saying. Slapping his knee, he says a few more things. Either he is musing. He can't figure it out. Your god can't figure it out. And in some of your translations, you have different translations. Does anybody have a translation that next says he's busy? Raise your hand if you says he's busy. We got some busies? Okay, I'm going to explain that to you in just a minute. So we're going to go back to busy because it's the funniest part. <clears throat> and it says, oh, or he's on a journey. He left you. Or perhaps he's asleep. You're boring him. And he must be awakened. <laughs> And then it says they, they cried aloud and cut themselves after their customs with swords and lances until blood gushed out upon them. That's, just, that's horrible. 
And as they're going through the day, Elijah has taunted them and he's upset them because, for one thing, the crowd's starting to like what Elijah's having to say. But let me give you that busy. Let's go back to busy. I told you I would do that. So let me show you the Hebrew. That's the Hebrew word that's translated busy in some of your translations. Some of you have other translations. It might even be better. Uh, but let me show you. Here's how you say it. Siig. And it is translated busy, pursuing, or occupied. Uh, some say it means withdrawing for privacy because it is a colloquial expression. And this word siig, when Elijah said, what's the matter? Is your God busy? Okay, you remember when you were younger and you, the phone rang. Back when they had phones that hung on the wall and there was a cord, you know. Um, you answer the phone. Can I talk to your mom? If your mom is in the bathroom, you never say, she's in the bathroom. You never do that. You were taught to say she's busy. That's why it's translated busy in some of your translations. It does mean, it's a colloquial expression, it means to go off to a private place to get rid of excrement. That's what it means. So Elijah, in modern day times, he might be saying something like, what's the matter? Is your God on the potty chair? That's funny. I mean, nobody's expecting this. There's a big moment. We're going to prove between the false, the, our gods versus your God. And he starts throwing out stuff like this. This guy's hilarious. So the crowds are listening. And Elijah says, after they get through midday through the, through the day, he says, y'all come over here. Come on. So they, they go over where he is. And he could have been doing this. Instead of making fun of them while they're dancing around, calling to their God, he now begins to build his altar. He hasn't even begun building his altar. And as he's doing it, he puts 12 stones for the altar. He puts 12, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. He, is, he wants to drive the point home. People, you need to return back to God because you're about to see something. And he, he laid the 12 stones out. He built the altar. He put kindling there. Got some wood and kindling. You know kindling. I mean, especially if you're, you have a room with guys in the room, they like to play with fire. Even as they grow into grown men, they still like to play with fire. And so they've got, they've got stuff that will light so easy. He digs a trench around. It holds about seven quarts of seed. He digs that, digs that trench. And, and then he says to people, he says, hey, yeah, those jars right there, there's four jars, um, Go put some water in them and uh, pour, put it on the fire. So they put it on the fire. And you got to understand, this doesn't make any sense. Now, this guy's funny, but he seems a little off. Why is he wetting all of that good kindling he just put on the fire? It's not going to light. And it's probably some of them, their shoulders are dropping like, well, they, they couldn't light the fire. He really can't light the fire now. And, and after they pour the water on there, he says, do it again. He's like, wow, this guy's nuts. And after they do this, and the water, he, uh, it's, it's, just, it's all over the place, and he says, do it again. Whoa! He's got so much water that it's now filled up the trench, and this is, the, this is dirt. So now that it's actually holding water, that's a lot of water all over the place. And then Elijah has everybody pay attention, and he says, he has, he has, says a prayer. He says, I'm going to give you a paraphrase. Come on, baby, light my fire. Or something like that. He prays to the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
And God sends down a fire that is so impressive. This is not an ordinary fire. This fire actually makes the, the rocks, not just the wood and the, and the bull and the water and the trench disappear. The rocks are consumed by the fire. That's impressive. So a fire from heaven comes down. It's lit miraculously, and then everything disappears, including the 12 rocks. Whoa. So everybody knows this God is real. And they all turn back to God as, as Elijah prayed. And, and Elijah does what God calls him to do. He has the followers round up all these false prophets and they are executed. That's what God wanted. And then Ahab goes back to, and by the way, there was a drought and now the rains come, which is amazing. That's a miracle all by itself. But Ahab goes back to Jezebel and says, guess what Elijah did? <laughs> Killed all your prophets. So she sends word directly to Elijah and says, may it happen to me like it happened to them if I don't do to you what you did to them by this time tomorrow. So Elijah gets scared and he takes off running and he hides under a bush and, as, and he falls asleep. And while he's there, though, he says this prayer. He says, God, can I just die here? I'm, I'm worse than my forefathers. What good am I? Because he knows he's, he's got a hit put out on him. Well, then he provides a miracle. An angel wakes him up. Hey, Elijah, got something for you. Provides some really nice bread that sustains him for a very long journey. And Elijah goes on this journey. He get, ends up in a cave. And understand, this is this man who is making fun of 850 prophets that have their congregations there all by himself, and he wasn't afraid of anything. And now he's afraid. You wouldn't think Elijah would be afraid, but he was afraid. And Elijah is hiding in a cave. And, and God asks him to come out and look out in the front of the cave. So he does. And God presents himself with some amazing things. There's an earthquake, and there's a fire, and there's this great wind, super powerful wind. And every time this miraculous stuff happens right in front of him, this supernatural stuff is happening right in front of him, Elijah's paying attention. Has God got something for me? Not in the fire, not in the wind, and not in the earthquake. And these great supernatural events... God wasn't going to speak to him that way. The guy that knew that God could send a fire from heaven and do such a miraculous thing, and he's doing these other things. But it's my Bible and your Bible says, but God wasn't in those. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. God says to Elijah, it says in a, in a some of your translations say in a gentle whisper, Elijah. What are you doing here? Yes, and that twice. And as we go through difficult times here in life on earth, quite often we are wanting God to answer us. You know, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, give me an answer. And we're, we're looking for a miraculous sign. We're looking for some supernatural event. But sometimes God is not going to speak in those. Sometimes we have to make an extra effort to listen. And God speaks to us in different ways. 
like in a gentle whisper. Sometimes he speaks to us from the mouth of a child. A child says something so innocently and then it, it speaks so much truth and like, how come I didn't think of that? Sometimes God speaks to us from the mouth of a preacher on a stage. Sometimes it's in Sunday school. Sometimes it's from a loving family member or a spouse and we didn't want to hear it. Sometimes it's so clear, but we're looking for it somewhere else. Shh! What are you doing here? If we want to weather the storms of this life, we must move beyond simply listening to God's wisdom and into actually doing what He says. But first, we've got to hear. What are you doing here? John, can you come up for and do your thing on the guitar, the, that uh, song that Dan talked to you about? Thank you. So when I say, shh, like God kind of did with Elijah, and then, what are you doing here? Listen. He might be talking directly to you. He might be saying, shh, Jeff, what are you doing here? Shh. Chris, what are you doing here? Anthony, what are you doing here? Dan, What are you doing here? Marcy, what are you doing here? <laughs> People can hear us in their cars. Jim, what are you doing here? Mark, you, you anticipate your name is coming, don't you? I got a list. I, I, I got the list as people were coming in. I got help with my list. Because when I got this list, I wanted to do something with this. I wanted to pray for you. I, I, I forget names sometimes. I didn't want to forget. So everybody in my list, I'm not going to call everybody's name. But is God calling you? I was praying that if God had something for you, that you would hear it. Shh! What are you doing here? You need to make a decision. I would like you to think about, is God calling you? Do you have something for you? Are you listening? And will you do what it says? John is playing for a little bit. I'm going to say a little prayer. I'm not going to pray by name for each one of you like I have been, but I will. But right now I'm going to say a little prayer, and if you can hear God is calling you, maybe, you know, here's, here's the way the Holy Spirit works. Sometimes you come into a ch church setting like this, and God starts working on you, not with the verses that the preacher used. But the Holy Spirit convicts, and you know what you need to do. And if that's you this morning, 
while I'm praying, if you could, if you want to, go find somebody here in the room that you trust. You can go out into the lobby area if you need to talk. Ask them to pray specifically for you or for guidance. Right now, I'm going to pray. Join with me and say your own prayers if you need to. Lord, thank you so much for the example of Elijah, strong, hellfire and brimstone preacher who got afraid. It can happen to any of us. God, thank you for giving us clear direction in your word that we've got to learn to listen better and more than that, we've got to do what you say. We want to build our houses on a solid foundation of doing what you say. Because Lord, we love you and we want it to show in how we live our lives. So right now, we're asking for your help. We're trying to listen as you're calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.